0: My number one thing in solving my type 2 diabetes is what I eat. By far and away, the thing that has the most dramatic effect on my sugar readings is what I eat. So I have just a few very simple rules. Hi, and welcome to the Solving Type 2 Diabetes Podcast. I'm Tom, and I'll be your host as I share what I'm doing in my daily life to solve my type 2 diabetes. Listen in as I share the food, movement, and tools that I'm using each day. This podcast is intended for entertainment purposes only. For a full transcript or to follow the Solving Type 2 Diabetes podcast on social media, please head over to solvingtype2diabetes.com for all those links and more. Now, on to the show. I hope you're having a great week this week since we have talked last. I have had a really fun week. We finished up our cruise. If you remember, we were on a 12-night cruise on Royal Caribbean's Enchantment of the Seas. And it was a very fun time. Got in some great meals with my wife. Got in some great movement, walking on the various islands, Barbados, St. Croix, Saint Lucia had a really great time and uh, we got off on Thursday and came home we've been home now for three days and it was really an enjoyable cruise I think that's the last cruise my wife is on in fact yeah it's the last cruise my wife is on until May we're back on a short one in May we're actually doing that between a stay at Disney's Hilton Head Island Resort and Disney's Vero Beach Resort we're actually on a four-nighter and that'll be fun because we'll be on there and my travel agent Sharla is also gonna be on the same cruise so I think that'll be a lot of fun even though it's gonna be a short one so like I said I've been home for three days and I've been doing some walks got out to the Lebanon Valley Rail Trail a couple times in fact I think I'm gonna head out there right after I'm done recording today and I'm also working on a little project I'm installing crossover symmetry in my little patio gym. I don't know if I've said this before, but we enclosed our patio, made it a four season fully conditioned space, and I use it mostly as a little home gym. I've got a treadmill, I've got a Concept2 rower. There's an exercise bike out there, a nice yoga area. I got my dumbbells and kettlebells out there. And I'm installing Crossover Symmetry, and it's funny, I bought this thing like three years ago after I started using it at CrossFit, and it really helps keep my shoulders feeling great, so they don't get tight, and they don't hurt, and I found out that I had shoulder pain not due to an injury, but actually due to a little bit of weakness, and this Crossover Symmetry really does the trick, so I'll have it here at home, and I'm looking forward to that. Looking at my numbers for this past week, I was able to close my Apple Fitness rings on my Apple Watch each of the seven days, so seven out of seven. And I think I've mentioned, but I have those set up and I use those as a really good gauge for if I'm getting in my movement or not. With regards to workouts, while I did squeeze in a little bit of yoga yesterday, had a nice session of yoga in the evening yesterday, mostly it's been walking, And I've been trying to work on that, vary that up a little bit. But this week, once again, it was really walking for my workouts. My seven-day average 24-7 glucose reading has been 86 for the past week. And 86 is really super. That equates to an A1C of 4.6. If that were extended out over 90 days, that would equate to an A1C of 4.6. And uh, the... A1c range for pre-diabetes is 5.7 to 6.4. Once you get to 6.4 and above, that is the diagnosis for type 2 diabetes. So having an A1c of 4.6 is well, well below even the pre-diabetes range that is in the optimal range. So, wonderful A1c my body fat percentage is down I was not on a scale for almost three weeks and the last time I was on a scale it was just about 24 percent and now it's 22.7 so I think I've told you in the past that my body fat percentage goal is to get it below 17. 17 is a very high end of what is considered to be a fitness level of body fat for men so I don't want it above 17 So at 22.7, I'm getting closer. A few years ago, my body fat percentage was around 36. So 22.7 now, and I'll take that, and I'm working my way down towards 17. This week for my macros, I have had an average daily intake of carbohydrates of 58 grams. So 58 grams of carbs. My goal is to keep it below 80, so I've certainly hit that. And I'm not trying desperately to stay away from carbs. It's a little bit of trying to stay away, but also I am eating quite a bit less overall. My protein for the week has been super duper. Even though most of this past week was on a cruise ship, I've averaged 123 grams of protein each day for the past seven days. And my target is at least 120 grams of protein. So to average 123, I'm spot on. My Manjaro update for the week. I should almost, I think, have trumpet sounding. I think this is maybe a lot of people's favorite part. (laughs) Manjaro is very popular. I understand why. So this week, I did take my third injection at the 7.5 milligram dose. I have now completed 10 full weeks using Manjaro and it absolutely has made a difference. My A1C is in very good control. As I just reported, it is in the optimal range. It has been in the optimal range. It's been under five for the past two months. So the last time I was at my doctor for an A1C, I had that test done just before I started Manjaro. And that test back in December, the very beginning of December, end of November, was 6.0. So basically for the month of September, October, November, my A1C was 6.0, which is right smack in the middle of the pre-diabetes range. Still, it's pretty darn good. My doctor was very impressed. But now, if I were to go in there today, she would get a reading of 5.0. The Manjaro has absolutely made a difference. I have really no hunger whatsoever, especially the first five days after I take each weekly injection. Now on day six, maybe on day seven, I start to get back to what I call normal hunger maybe, but still, not a problem at all. In fact, the biggest problem, honestly, the biggest problem with taking this Manjaro is to making sure that I can hit my daily protein intake goal. And as I just mentioned, I I want to get at least 120 grams. I need to try and do my best to maintain muscle. And a key part of that, in addition to weight training, a key part of that is getting in enough protein. So based on the formulas I can see, I need to have at least 120 grams of protein. And the only way I'm able to do that, quite frankly, is to take a protein shake. One, sometimes two protein shakes a day, normally just one. But that gives me an extra 30 grams and that goes a long way towards hitting my goal of 120 grams. I did that on the cruise ship each day, and I've done that each day since I've been home. And honestly, to eat, say, enough meat, beef, or chicken, to get in that much protein, it's hard for me nowadays. I just had breakfast, I had some Scrapple, and I had a couple of eggs scrambled, and I was absolutely stuffed. But I finished it, I forced myself to finish it, literally, because I know I needed that protein. So anyway, there we are. Now with this Manjaro, because you are in fact eating a whole lot less, especially for me, I'm just eating a whole lot less, I have had weight loss. I'm not necessarily doing this for weight loss, but in the 10 weeks I've been taking Manjaro, I have lost just over 18 pounds. So that is 1.8, 1.9 pounds per week, and it's just coming off. I'm not actively trying to lose it. So at some point, I'm going to need out to figure out a way to eat a little bit more because I obviously can't sustain just a continual weight loss. At most, I have maybe 15 pounds that I could still reasonably lose to where I'm. That would put me in the optimal range, not overweight at all. According to the charts, right now I'm probably still about 15 pounds overweight. And that's reasonably the most I would want to lose. I don't see any need to get down below the border between normal and overweight. My challenge this week, I hope you're not bored, but my challenge for this week has been the exact same challenge it's been before, varying my movement. Now, I think installing this crossover symmetry and using that every day is going to be a help in that direction. I definitely though want to get back on that rower and then also do some more frequent Apple Fitness Plus strength workouts. Now I'm not home enough honestly to go to CrossFit. I just can't get in the groove, only going for a few days and then being away for a couple weeks. But I can get out of my own patio gym. I can do that. So that's my challenge. It's not a win yet for this week, but it is still something that is forefront in my mind and now I need to put some action behind it okay well let's look at the news and this first article is entitled the next generation of weight loss drugs will be even more powerful than ozempic now i'm covering this again because ozempic is actually a drug that was prescribed for type 2 diabetes like I said, it obviously does have this weight loss effect because you're not eating as much. But this article was written by someone that I've started to follow. He has a podcast with his brother. The podcast is called Docs Who Lift. So he is Dr. Spencer Nadolski. And he is a medical doctor, an MD, who specializes in obesity disease. And what he goes on here to say in this article, it's a very interesting article, it's very light. It's not filled with jargon. It's stuff you can absolutely understand. And he talks about how Ozempic has a GLP-1 glucon peptide 1 agonist. And what that means is that it, tells you, it makes your body think that it has that peptide being released in its body, but it is naturally produced by the intestines and it sends those satiety signals to your brain. So by injecting this Ozempic, or Wegovy, it's the same medication, just different dosages. And by injecting this, it makes your body think, your brain think, it's getting satiety signals from your intestines, when it actually, you necessarily not might not have eaten anything. But now, the difference between Ozempic and now Monjaro, the one I'm using, is that in, in addition to the GLP-1, it also has a GIP, agonist, which is glucose dependent insulinotropic polypeptide. That's a mouthful. But just realize that this helps your pancreas secrete a little bit more insulin when it thinks you've taken in excess sugar. So this glucose agonist helps your body deal with the sugar you have. Now, it doesn't just pump insulin into your body. And this is something that I think people are confused upon only if you ingest sugar carbohydrates glucose does it help produce this insulin so it's not just going to raise your insulin levels unless you're in fact eating excess levels of carbohydrate and so i try and keep my carbohydrates low i don't necessarily totally avoid them if you saw my meals that i posted while i was on the cruise ship i post my meals sometimes to instagram stories And if you follow me there, you saw that I had hamburgers with a bun. I had dinner roll with my dinner a lot of times. So I'm not just completely avoiding carbohydrates, but I do like to keep them low because I don't want a lot of insulin in my body because I think eventually you're gonna wear out your pancreas, especially for people like me with type two diabetes, who clearly have been abusing their pancreas their whole lives. This way, if you're not eating a whole lot of carbs, you're not producing a whole lot of insulin. So anyway, what's the purpose of this article? This article goes on to say that the drugs that they're testing right now actually have a third agonist. So this new drug is going to have even a third agonist against glucagon. So it's like Manjaro, but instead of just having two agonists, it has three. And that, they think, will allow people to burn more calories, in other words, boost up their furnace, and burn up more of this excess sugar that they might have, excess fat that they might have, and to use that up a little faster than without it. So it it just signals your body to to burn more energy. So this new one that's supposed to be out maybe late summer, early fall, and they think because the drug manufacturer, Eli Lilly, is going against approval, going for approval for both weight loss and type two diabetes, And it might be available from the very beginning as a treatment for both diseases, both the disease of obesity and also the disease of type two diabetes. So read that article, very interesting. It talks about what's coming next as far as medication to help these diseases. Okay, this next article is called Are SGLT2 Inhibitors the Next Blockbuster Drug? So SGLT2, now I'll try and sodium glucose co-transporter 2 inhibitors. So it inhibits, it reduces the sodium glucose co-transporter 2. What does this mean? What this means is this drug, and I take it, by the way, it's the Farsega is the brand I take, but this drug works in your kidneys. So unlike Manjaro, which works in your brain and your pancreas and your liver, this works in your kidneys and it takes the sugar that's already in your blood, you ate a hoagie or you ate a cinnamon bun or you ate breakfast cereal or whatever, so you got a bunch of sugar in your body, a bunch of carbohydrates turned to sugar. Once that passes into your blood and once your blood passes through your kidneys, a natural thing your kidney does is filter some of that sugar out. However, it then immediately puts most of it right back in your blood. So it doesn't keep the sugar out of your blood. It does take it out, but then it puts it right back in. So what this medication does, this SGLT2 inhibitor, it keeps the sugar out of your blood and passes it to your bladder. So you get rid of it. So instead of putting the sugar back in, you now are passing out this excess sugar. So you can see why this is helpful. But now what they're finding is that this does a lot more for you than just that surface level action of getting rid of excess sugar. They say that it can also help slow or prevent people with kidney disease, renal disease, from having to take dialysis. It slows the prevention of this disease of the kidney disease and it reduces kidney disease related hospitality and mortality. So they're finding that this can be a great benefit, not just for people with type two diabetes, but for people who have renal disease for other reasons. It can also, they say, help with cardiovascular disease. So near heart failure, infarction, those types of things, it reduces overall death from those cardiovascular incidents by taking this SGLT2 inhibitor. So they're doing some great studies. They're finding out that this might be what they're calling the next blockbuster drug. Even though it's been around for a while, they're now realizing that it has other side benefits. So read that, that's a great article. All right, enough with medicine. Here's one that I think you might like. Secret Apple Project tracks blood sugar using Apple Watch. You probably know by now that I absolutely love my Apple Watch. But what they're talking about here is that Apple has now entered a proof of concept phase for a confidential project dubbed E5. What they're saying they're now on the verge of being able to do, in other words, they're testing this as a proof of concept already, is having a non-invasive glucose monitor. So you all know that I wear my continuous glucose monitor. In fact, I just put a new one on today. And that is injected into your skin just subcutaneously right into the skin layer. And that monitors your blood sugar by just removing small amounts of that interstitial fluid between your cells and checking how much sugar it has in it. They're saying that this top secret Apple project will actually use small lights, technically lasers, but just small lights that go through your skin. Currently they use that for checking oxygen levels and respiration and also pulse. So sometimes if you have an Apple Watch, you might see a green light shining underneath it or a red light shining underneath it. This would yet be another light that simply shined under your watch, into your skin, but they say that By the way the light is reflected back, it can tell how much sugar is in the blood that it sees under your skin. So this would be absolutely fantastic. Simply by wearing your Apple Watch, you could get a continuous blood sugar reading. Now, this is not coming out this year or next year, but it is moving forward and they are perfecting this technology. So that is certainly something to look forward to. No more buying of a continuous glucose monitor every two weeks. I'd be all for that. Even if the Apple Watch, heck, it could cost even, I don't know, $1,000 more than it currently does. And if it lasted two or three years, it would still be much, much cheaper than buying these continuous glucose monitors. So I'm excited about that. Stay tuned for that. Okay, this last article is, uh, and I think this might be a little trend here I'm doing, including some food articles each week. But this last one caught my eye eight roast chicken recipes to fill your home with enticing aromas. Heck, who doesn't want that? So this article, and just like all the articles, the links for the article will be in the show notes and on the website, solvingtype2diabetes.com. And you can look up these articles and check out these recipes. I'm going to read the recipes here for you real quick. And I can't sit here and make them for you, but I can read them and I'll tell you that the pictures look great. All right, here they go, eight recipes. Pimento rubbed roast chicken. Spring chicken in a pot. Better brined roast chicken. Sheet pan chicken with Hasselback potatoes and Brussels sprouts. There's a whole meal on a sheet pan. One pan roast chicken and potatoes. Oh, that looks good. Maple mustard roasted chicken. Adobo, spatchcocked chicken. I guess spatchcocking is a way of cutting the chicken and laying it open flat. Sumac, roast chicken with carrots and chickpeas. Ooh, that looks like a crockpot recipe. So anyway, this article will link you to eight great recipes, and it's an article from the Washington Post, and their food section is usually pretty good, so I hope you enjoy that one. All right, let's talk about the main topic today. Now, as I promised last week, I wanted to talk about the nuts and bolts of what I do for my type two diabetes, my daily priorities, those things that I focus on most, and I most want to make sure I accomplish each day. Now, if you follow me on social media, you know that each day I post various statistics in my facebook and instagram stories now if you don't follow me on social and you want to go over to the website solvingtype2diabetes.com and you'll see links there for all my social media i've got facebook i've got instagram i've got twitter i've got TikTok. but the things i post every day specifically are in my stories on instagram and facebook and each day you'll see there that i post my continuous glucose monitor readings for the past 24 hours I post all my macro intake for the last 24 hours I post my apple fitness rings my sleep and sometimes I'll post a few pictures of food especially if I've eaten in a restaurant and the presentation looks really nice so these as I guess you can imagine are my daily priorities the most important things I do to solve my type 2 diabetes. And since September, and especially since December, my type 2 diabetes has been under very good control. So I cannot say that these will work for you, I am just an experiment of one. I'm not your doctor, I'm not your nutritionist, or your sports coach, but I can just share now what works for me. So let's get started. My number one thing, in solving my type 2 diabetes is what I eat. By far and away, the thing that has the most dramatic effect on my sugar readings is what I eat. So I have just a few very simple rules. The first rule, or if you want to say goal, is to stay below 80 grams of net carbohydrates each day. So I use my Fitness Pal. And I do weigh and measure my food, I track everything I eat, and I log it into my Fitness Pal. This helps me tremendously. So I plan out my day of eating. In fact, last evening, when I was sitting there watching the news, I planned out what I was going to eat today, and I made sure that it would fit my goals. The number one goal, the thing that most, more than anything else, and I can prove this with what I've done over the months and years is staying below 80 grams of net carbohydrates. Now, that's while I am in my current phase. It could be, because I cannot lose weight forever, but it could be that I might need to bump that up a little bit. Not too much, because again, I don't want that insulin just pumping throughout my body, trying to get rid of those carbohydrates. So that's number one. The second thing I do, after not exceeding 80 grams of carbohydrate, is making sure I get at least 120 grams of protein. Okay, not more than 80 grams of carbohydrates and at least 120 grams of protein. Now these things don't have to be perfect every day. I like to see a weekly average to tell how I'm doing. But I do have those targets in my My MyFitnessPal And so I can see when I'm about to exceed it, if I have overeaten in a certain category or undereaten, like for protein, for example, and I will adjust what I plan to eat. I don't find it helpful to just simply eat a bunch of stuff and then log it. Because once you've eaten it, you can't make adjustments. So I do plan what I eat to, I'd say, 85, 90% of the time, I am logging what I'm eating actually before I eat it. So with regards to nutrition, which is for me, the number one thing that I do to help my blood sugar levels, not more than an average of 80 grams of carbs each day, and at least an average of 120 grams of protein each day. And I am proactive in using my fitness pal. All right. Number two, number two, I do try and close my rings. Now I don't have to be perfect with that. I think that can lead to being, I don't know, obsessive with it, at least in my case. So, while I do every once in a while have a streak going, in fact, I just realized that for the month of February, I've closed my rings every day so far, and today's the 26th, which means I have to close them for the next two days. That's just how I am, so I have a perfect month. But then sometime during that first week of March, I will intentionally not close my rings one day, because I don't want to set myself up for having to oh my word now I have to have a second month now I have to have a third month no I don't do that I try and close my rings at least five times each week I probably average about six but for whatever reason in February I've been closing them every single day so two more days of that and then I will intentionally take a break now there's three rings on the Apple watch one is for overall calories burned through movement One is minutes of exercise, and it counts that with an elevated heart rate. I think it's above, for me, I think anything above 115 beats per minute counts as exercise. And then 12 hours of having at least a couple minutes of movement, getting up, standing up, walking around each hour for 12 hours. So 600 calories of movement, 30 minutes of exercise, and 12 hours where you stood at least a couple of minutes each hour and that's what it takes to close my rings. Now those are adjustable, they could be each set at a different level, but that's where I have mindset. And what I find is that at that level, I have to do some intentional exercise to get those rings to close. The third thing is sleep. I've read the studies and I find for myself, I have a much better outlook, a much better mental attitude, a much better physical attitude much more easy to exercise if I've gotten eight hours of sleep. Now, eight hours is my goal. And I typically, if I had to go back and look over the past weeks and months, get seven and a half, seven and three quarters, sometimes a little bit over eight, but I average pretty darn close to eight hours of actual sleep. And of course I track that too. I use the Auto Sleep app and I track my sleep I wear my watch at night when I'm in bed so I had to get in the habit of charging it before I go to bed for like an hour or so and I wear my watch basically 22 23 hours a day certainly while I sleep and certainly while I'm trying to get movement cuz I want the credit what I find for myself is I have to give myself at least a nine-hour window nine nine and a half hours of from the time I go to bed lights off eyes closed until I wake up. And during that nine to nine and a half hours, it's, that's what gives me a chance to get eight hours of actual sleep as measured by the app. The fourth and I'm going to say final thing that are my daily priorities is making sure that I take my medication. Now my doctor and I have worked long and hard to get my medications where they are now, and I think they're serving me pretty well where they are now. And but if I don't take them, Now like that Farcega, that's a daily pill. So I have a little pill pack, and I put out my pills, and then each day I open that little thing up and dump out my pills, and you I also take fish oil and some other things, Um, but my medication is is the other thing that if I don't do it daily, then I'm not really helping myself. So I make sure I have the refill, I make sure I take it every day, and those are the things, nutrition, movement, sleep, and medication that are my daily priorities. I literally make those the most important things I do during a day. And that's, I think, how I'm solving my type two diabetes. All right, so we are ready for your questions and I am so excited, I'm happy. We got two questions in this week. That always makes for a great day when I see somebody write in. Now this first question came in from the website So it's from Ben, and Ben went over to the solvingtype2diabetes.com website, and he clicked on feedback, and he filled out the little form, and I'm going to read his message to you now. Hi, Tom. I enjoy listening to your weekly updates and information. I've been wearing a CGM, the Libre 3, for about 60 days now, and I'm learning a lot about how my meal choices affect my body. Well, that's great. How long did you find that your monitors last? I'm not getting the 14 days that they claim they should last. Sometimes I see them start to read extremely low after seven to nine days. I recall you mentioned that you get yours from a company without a prescription. Well, that's not accurate, but we'll get to that in a second. Can you share that information with me? Ben, thanks so much for writing in. I appreciate the fact that you took the time and you asked me a question. And I did email Ben back directly a few days ago. But I'm going to go over what I told to Ben for everybody's benefit here. And uh, Ben wears the Libre 3, right? Which is the latest Freestyle Libre 3. That's the latest CGM now to come out from this company. And I'm currently using the original Freestyle. It's called the Freestyle 14 Day. It's before they had a 2 or now they have a 3. The 3 just came out this year, late 2022. And that's what Ben's using. And that's what I'm now getting from my doctor. So I've actually gotten the first ones. I'll put the first one on in a couple weeks here. I just today put the last of my original Freestyle Libre 14-Day Sensors on. But I'm getting them now from my doctor. So now I pay a $75 a month copay with my insurance. And I think I'll be using the Libre 3s for a while. Now, the company that I had previously been getting them from is called NutriSense. N-U-T-R-I-S-E-N-S-E. And they're a telemedicine company, and they have a doctor, and they did write a prescription. So Ben thought that I was getting them without a prescription, and that's not correct. I just got a prescription from the telemedicine doctor who's associated with this company, NutriSense, rather than my own primary physician. Because at the time, my health insurance did not cover the CGMs for type 2 diabetics. They do now and that's why I'm now getting them from my doctor. So, that's the information he asked for. He asked about the where I got them from. Now, something I want to let you everybody be aware of, and there are many companies out there now. I just did a search and I found at least six companies that use telemedicine and will prescribe you CGM. But they're not cheap. They typically do not take any health insurance. They simply pay cash. So I had to get a 12-month commitment, and I actually got CGMs from them for about 20 months altogether so far, and then just this last month, I switched over to getting them from my doctor. But even with a 12-month commitment, I was still paying $199 a month for these CGMs through this telemedicine company. Now, other companies might have different prices. But even if for this company, if you didn't get it for 12 months, let's say you got it one month, or a three month, or a six month commitment, the prices were higher. I think they went as high as $250 a month for these Libre sensors. And they only offer the original sensor that came out several years ago. They don't have the Libre 2 or the new one that came out this past year, the Libre 3. So if you go with this company, you're gonna get the original style sensors, And now Ben talked about how he thought he was only getting seven to nine days of accurate readings. I've really never experienced that. They do say, though, that the Libre 3, the one he's currently using, and the one I will start using here in two weeks, is the most accurate out of all of them. They've done studies, and they've compared it to blood draws, and this new Libre 3 is actually the most accurate. So, Ben, I would suggest that if you are having a hard time getting 14 days of accuracy, I would talk to the company. Could something be going wrong? Did you get a bad one? If you've only been using them for 60 days, you've only have used four at most, maybe five. So you say sometimes you see them start to read low after seven to nine days. So could you have gotten one or two bad ones? It's possible. I have personally have not experienced that. I did have a sensor one time that did not work from the beginning it just it seemed to be dead on arrival and I called my company and they replaced it I had another sensor that just stopped after like 10 or 11 or 12 days I don't remember exactly and again I called and they replaced it so if you got a one or two bed I never had one just read low you might want to talk to your doctor talk to the company could you perhaps be applying them wrong or bumping them severely or I don't know but I would check into that I certainly would not recommend, of course, I can't tell you what to do, I would not recommend if you're using the Libre 3 to go back to use the original Libre, the Freestyle Libre because those are known to be less accurate than what you're currently using. I hope that's helpful and I certainly do appreciate your question. Now here's the second question. Now let me tell you, this second question came in as a comment in Instagram. Now I certainly appreciate the comments, certainly appreciate the feedback. But just be aware that if you leave me a question or a comment on social media platforms, I may or may not see them. I don't spend a whole lot of time on social media, although my wife might disagree with that, but I really don't think I do. So if you wanna send me a question or a comment, there's really two ways to do it. One is just simply send me an email directly, tom at solvingtype2diabetes.com. That'll just send me an email directly, and I'll absolutely get that right away. The other way, and I still get an email, but the other way you can do it is go to the website, solvingtype2diabetes.com, click on Feedback, and you can fill out the form like Ben did. So this comment comes from, I don't know if it's a person or not, but it comes from Home and Garden Stories. Hello, Home and Garden Stories. Here's the comment. I listened to your podcast and I was wondering, since you stopped Menformin, Do you think you will lower your A1C to be able to get off the Manjaro as well? Thanks very much for sending that question in. The short answer is no. The reason my A1C is so well controlled is because of the medication I'm taking in addition to how I'm eating. I know from previous attempts that simply adjusting my eating is not low enough to remove all medication. I just It just doesn't work for me. Even with the Manjaro, and I was able to stop Metformin, but that's because the Manjaro does what the Metformin does, except, in my opinion, 10 times as well. So the effect of the Metformin was absolutely invisible once I started taking the Manjaro. So yes, I was easily able to stop the Metformin. But I don't think I'll be able to stop all medication together, because then all I would have is my eating, and even Eating almost no carbohydrates whatsoever, my blood sugar in the past has still gotten into the pre-diabetes range, which I don't want it there. So I need that medication help. And I don't think that's going to change. My system is just abused and worn out for so many decades that I just don't have it in my natural systems anymore to keep my blood sugar levels low unless I would just simply stop eating any carbohydrates whatsoever. And I'm, that's not sustainable for me. So I personally am not going to do that. Now, if you're a carnivore, go for it. I'm not telling you not to do that. For me, I just find that that's not sustainable. While I don't think I will ever stop the Manjaro, the question is, will I always need the Farsiga and the Manjaro? That's possibly something that might happen. I might possibly get off the Farsiga or in the future, lower my dose of Manjaro. Because like I say, for now, my blood sugar is extremely well controlled and I'm losing weight. Now, do I need to eat a little bit more? And in order to eat a little bit more, do I need to reduce the amount of Manjaro so I don't feel stuffed and full and totally not hungry? Perhaps. I did try stopping the Farsica for two or three days here a couple weeks ago, just as a little self-experiment. And within about a day and a half, my blood sugar started creeping back up into the pre-diabetes range. So I definitely am getting benefits still from the Farsica and the Manjaro. So that might be tweaked in the future, but we'll have to see how that goes. Again, thanks very much for writing in. I appreciate your thoughts. Feel free to take two minutes this week and send me in a question. I would love it. Okay, what's next? Next week, I have a simple question that I want to discuss. Is exercise required for me in solving type 2 diabetes? Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't exercise. I'm not saying exercise isn't generally great for you and maybe even absolutely necessary. My specific question is, is exercise required in my solving my type 2 diabetes? So stay tuned for that. Thanks very much for listening, and I will talk to you next week. Well, that wraps up another episode of the Solving Type 2 Diabetes podcast. I hope you found it valuable. Please follow and leave a five-star review as it helps other people find the podcast. By subscribing, you ensure you won't miss the next episode. You can always get a full transcript of the episode at solvingtype2diabetes.com. There, you also find the links to leave feedback and links to follow on social media. I'm very interested in hearing from you with comments and suggestions. Thanks very much for listening. Please remember that everything I share is just from my own personal experience and should not be taken as medical or health advice. Please consult your own medical professionals. This podcast is intended for entertainment purposes only.